All right, what's up, everyone? It's Zach, and today I'm here with a very special guest. I am here with a very good friend, Mark Hansen. Mark, how are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing. I'm doing really well, really well. How about you? Awesome, man. Glad to hear it. I'm doing well. Thanks for asking, and thanks for uh, taking some time to come on the show today. Absolutely, it, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm really glad to be here, and really glad that you asked me to be on here. It's an honor. Of course, of course. So Mark, uh, fellow fellow Chippewa, so CMU Fire graduate, up Fire Up Chips, um, he did his undergrad at Central, and that's actually how him and I originally met, and then he also did his master's at Central, so he's a Chippewa through and through, just like me, and um, during the time that you know, I met Mark and that I've known him. He's always been really passionate about science and research. And that's kind of taken him into his, uh, his professional career now where he does uh, research. He's research, doing research out on the East Coast um, for tuberculosis, right? Correct. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So that's a little bit kind of like the basics about Mark, but do you mind kind of talking a little bit about your background, who you are, what you do, all that good stuff? Yeah, sure. I'll start back in the beginning, just a small town, Michigan boy up from small town in northern Michigan, so really closer to Canada than any of the other states. Yeah. But, excuse me, let's see, I stayed pretty close to my hometown throughout most of my time growing up, and then once college hit, you know, came down to Central Michigan University, which was uh, about an hour and a half south of where I was, so it's kind of like my first step kind of out from where I grew up, just kind of mm-hmm. see a little more of what's out there. And, you know, we started college at the same time. We were there undergrad for four years. And then, yeah, I stayed for an extra two years for my master's. And after that point, decided that, you know, I'm going to jump out of Michigan. And I ended up in New Jersey, yep. all places. It was unexpected. Didn't really know where I would be going or what would be happening. Because actually at the time, uh, my fiance and I, we had both kind of thought that, you know, we want to experience something outside of the Midwest. And mm-hmm. as I was finishing my degree, if you're, you know, I could find a position somewhere else, that would be a really great opportunity to live somewhere else for you know, a couple of years, few years, kind of just play it as we go along and see how long we ended up out here and, you know, move once, move twice, we'll see. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I know that just like from knowing you personally, yeah, Michigan's always been home and I don't know. I mean, you kind of strike me not in a bad way or anything. It's like kind of like a Midwest kind of guy, like, you know, kind of small town, you're you're a really simple guy, you know, you're not, you don't need to be, you know, in flashy cities or you're not like a, you know, I need to buy like the most flashy clothes or cars or watches or anything. You're pretty, pretty basic guy, pretty simple guy. So um, yeah, like I, I definitely, could see you going back to the Midwest but at the same time like you said I think now is like a good time at our age to kind of like see what else is out there and it sounds like you know you've had a good experience out in Jersey I mean of course that's you know your job is out there but also I mean it seems like you're enjoying just like kind of living on the east uh, east coast a bit oh yeah it's a very different pace of life compared to the Midwest I'm sure people who live out here know it's much more, you know, a faster pace, and mm-hmm. uh, I feel that it was kind of nice that we ended up being where we are. We're maybe 12 miles from New York City. I can actually see a little bit of the skyline from my window here, which is really <laughs> cool, just to tell you how close to the city we are. Yeah, and it's let us, you know, my now wife and I, Catherine, just kind of figure out, you know, that we really enjoy being out here it's a lot of fun it's very different like all the food options everything's yeah. walkable which is awesome but you know it kind of looks like this is a lot of fun but it's not where we will spend you know, like the rest of our lives you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of like a brief stint out here and like you're saying like the timing was great at least yeah. in terms of age the uh, pandemic has made things a little difficult we moved out here in september 2020 when mm-hmm. Things are still kind of unknown regards to what was happening with the pandemic and you know, vaccines hadn't been created yet. So it was an odd time to move. Yeah. So we weren't really able to break into like the full bustle of the city because it was not shut down, but it was right. You know, it was dampened compared to what it would be. And you know, as we've been out here now a year and a half, it's kind of 
come up a little more lively and we've gotten to see more and more of it. That's good. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's of course been a weird, you know, couple of years for, for everyone, everywhere you look and everywhere you oh, yeah. go, but I mean, it, it's, it's unfortunate that it does kind of take away some time or experiences or opportunities from, from us. And, you know, granted we're, we're lucky to be in good health and, you know, take, mm-hmm. you know, have our, our family in good health and there's procedures and vaccines now and stuff like that. So definitely, you know, um, we're, we're very grateful for what we have, but at the same time, I, I definitely think it, it's tough, right? Like we, we missed out on some things and you mentioned kind of moving during the pandemic when there's still kind of that question mark and, um, you mentioned fiance and a wife. So yeah, for everyone listening, Mark got married during the pandemic. So congratulations uh, to Mark on that. But again, one of those things that's kind of weird, like you can't really have that true wedding experience per se, or maybe the wedding that you thought you would have, or maybe planned before the pandemic because of it. So, you know, I, I think that with anything, there can be some good that even comes out of bad situations, but I think that it, it has been challenging. And, you know, I'm glad to hear that now you kind of are having a little more time to, you know, enjoy kind of like the move and um, just kind of explore a little more around uh, your new area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of taking what life gives us and yeah. making the most out of it. Definitely. Definitely. So Mark, when it comes to kind of college and your degree and your job and everything from pretty much the beginning of like, when I can think of knowing you, it seems like you've been on a pretty you know straight track of like trajectory of you know I want to study this and then do this and that and kind of go through a path and I know that I want to say maybe like in grad school you kind of had that like you know kind of like fork in the road of like I have like a a general idea of where I want to go but like do I want to do research do I you know kind of which path you want to take so talk a little bit about that if you don't mind like how did yeah. like did you know you wanted to do this like in high school or like as a child or from what um what I know and what I can remember like I've always been surrounded by science and nature like I grew up on 60 acres of land <laughs> most of that being woods and rivers yeah and just that in itself was an incredible upbringing absolutely loved it being able to just kind of be out there in nature to be able to walk along the trails and see everything from deer to turkey to possum, coyotes, bear occasionally, just anything and everything out there, just being surrounded by nature. Yeah. And I've always enjoyed nature itself and science in general. And and so I guess more so started to focus on biology, let's say probably early high school. Okay. I had just like my first like general biology course in there my freshman year. And then it turned to chemistry sophomore year. But then let's see, I ended up taking advanced placement biology my senior year, which I really enjoyed. It's kind of getting a, like a more in-depth uh, education on some of the some of the basics of biology. Mm-hmm. And let's see. Oh, actually, my junior year, I had taken a medical occupations class. Okay. It's kind of like an introduction to like a human anatomy physiology course. Okay. And that got me interested on the medical side of science. And then the next year, I took the medical occupations class, which actually got us into the hospital and different healthcare systems Mm. for like two days on like 10 different rotations. So we kind of got to experience a lot of different uh, sides of healthcare. And at that point, I, I was really enjoying that and seeing the health care provider roles and thinking, oh, maybe I want to do something more in that field. And at the time, I'd also taken an introduction to engineering class, which I really enjoyed. So in my mind, I was kind of mixing the two together. It's like, what about like biomedical engineering? Was actually mm-hmm. a thought initially my senior year of high school. But as I progressed to that medical occupations class, I started leaning more towards surgery. Yeah. Um, being you know, still really young and ambitious, you know, I'm going to be a trauma surgeon. That sounds you know, exciting. It's going to yeah. be different every day. I'm not really going to know what I'm going to be walking into until it's there. And that's something that, I still enjoy today is having that variety 
going into my job not quite not necessarily not knowing what's going to happen but that it's not the exact same thing every day okay so i had that mindset actually going into college wanting to be a trauma surgeon and got involved in a um, honors medical course in which the goal of it you took it once a year and then the idea was to start to prepare you for medical school right freshman year this kind of introduced you to other people who were interested and just kind of gave you some starting grounds of what to do you know what good looks good on your resume what you should be doing by you know, first second third fourth year in college to help you prepare for that and i really enjoyed that really enjoyed the people i was with and then sophomore year the second half i got involved with undergraduate research and i had come across an email from a professor who was recruiting for her molecular biology lab and i had always had the thought you know doing research would be really cool and for medical school uh, that always looks nice to have some kind of experience right. in that sense so like oh this is a good opportunity both to learn and to you know bump up my resume i spoke with her they would go through kind of like a trial period with that lab and i was accepted and uh, i think that summer after my sophomore year i came back i think mid-june i'd taken the first bit of that summer off to go home i actually had to study abroad in there and then when i came back it's that second half of that summer is when i fell in love with research mm. just kind of i'm you know, going through like the unknown Again, kind of like how I would have wanted with the, uh, with the trauma surgeon, like, you know, it's unknown what you're getting into each day you know, in research. It's, you're kind of looking for the unknown. You're trying to figure out how something functions, why it does this, you know, why a protein does that, and what provides the cell with, you know, its energy, you know, mitochondria, you know, powerhouse of the cell. Right. <laughs> yep. Man, I, I'm deeply in love with research. In that yeah. aspect, so I continued actually in that lab throughout the entirety of my undergraduate career. Right. And let's see, it would have been the summer after my junior year, I had an opportunity to go to a conference to present data that I had collected and worked with mm -hmm. throughout the past year and a half or so. And it was actually an international meeting, which scared me a bit. Thinking international people from all over the world and it's yeah. actually out in california it's about four days in june and after going there just just like the environment the ambiance being with all of these scientists mm -hmm. that all have this love for uh, we worked with c elegans which is a microscopic nematode it's actually okay. a model organism we call it the worm for short but being there with 1700 people who all loved this thing and worked with it mm -hmm. and did research and found answers to basic biological questions that can be applied to people yeah was kind of unreal at the time and looking back on it that's when i definitely made the decision i'm going into research this medical thing i'm done no i don't want that mm, okay and at that time, I was also preparing for the MCAT, which is yeah. the medical college admission test. And, and I kind of had this internal battle. Like, do I continue going with it? Like, I've taken a course for it. Like, I take the exam in probably like a month or something mm -hmm. like that. And then uh, I would get my score back and start applying to medical school the following fall. And, and I kind of felt struggle myself you know i made it sound like i just threw away medical school but it really was a struggle to figure out what i wanted to do at that point because i loved research so much but i had had my mindset on medicine for so long yeah i've talked to i don't know dozens of people trying to figure out what to do you know my research advisor people mm -hmm. you know, medical group parents friends just trying to figure out what was best for me and what would make me happy and mm. i still ended up going through with taking the MCAT because it was so close. And they knew that depending on the school, I could also use it to apply to graduate school. If sure. I to go for like my master's or PhD. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, this is still useful. I'm prepared so much for already. I might as well go through with it. 
So I did that. I got my score back. And uh, this is something I actually don't tell too many people, but I will say I was actually hoping for a poor score. So that way I wouldn't feel the pressure to apply to medical school. Because if yeah. I scored really well, I kind of felt like I had wasted the mm-hmm. opportunity if I didn't go to medical school. Yeah. But in the that's, end. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was weird, like, realizing how I had those thoughts. And, and it, I think that kind of helped point me to research, like, thinking, like, I don't want to do well with this yeah. medical college admissions test. So that means I want to do research. Yeah. I, mean, I still did well enough time to be able to apply to graduate schools and sure. be accepted. I do have my master's now, but that was kind of, like, the last that straw that broke the camel's back like I I knew for sure then that medical school was not for me and right I was going to go research I was going to jump in yeah and luckily with the lab I was in during my undergrad I was able to accumulate about two and a half years worth of experience Mm -hmm. and actually spoke with my advisor and the huge reasons I stayed at Central for my master's was because I would be able to continue working in her lab and have the advantage of knowing all the basics, having done research there for two and a half years now, and I wouldn't have to relearn things. I would Mm -hmm. actually have a couple of projects that I would be able to lead lined up already, so I could jump right into it that summer before the fall semester of my graduate school started. So that's what I did. This is great. I'm going to be able to jump in and just take this to new levels that I wasn't able to during undergraduate because part of grad school, the idea is to be able to do research. Right. But I had so much more time for it. Exactly. Yeah. Man, that, yeah, you know, I, as you kind of went through your story, I know, like, as your friend, I've, you know, I, I know you went through those experiences, but definitely to kind of hear to relive it because it has been a while I guess of uh, just you know oh, time flies but also to hear kind of like your perspective and I mean I, I had no idea you know what you said about your MCAT where like you know part of you is like I hope I don't get that great of a score but I, I think that makes sense because I think about like in my life or other people I talk to sometimes like when we're like when we have to make that decision it's like well if we have to pick between like two pretty good you know options if one of them just doesn't work out like it kind of makes life a little easier right there Mm -hmm. but I like how you said you know you really were thinking to yourself and asking people that you trusted about what would make you the happiest um you know career-wise and I think that that's that's interesting because I think people in that age you know maybe our late teens early 20s when we are making those decisions we almost feel so much external pressure like my family wants me to do this or like my significant other or like my professors like they've been helping me get here or like you mentioned the honors like med program kind of that you're in like what will those people think or what will that those faculty members think like will they think I wasted their time or something so I definitely think like it was good that you were able to kind of narrow it down to like and I'm sure you know you probably did have some of those considerations but at the end of the day you're like what's important to me like what will make me happy and I think it just goes to show that like it's great to have plans and to like plan things out and to go with it but like if something else comes up like if you find that passion for something else like it's okay to change your mind especially in college I mean I certainly have changed my major minor several times and it's yeah it sounds like you kind of had that similar experience like you know you you thought you were doing one thing and then just not that you would have like probably like if you just if you went to med school and you know that's what you're doing trauma surgeon like I'm sure you wouldn't like necessarily regret it but you know you found something that really resonated with you more and it sounds like you're super happy doing it Mm -hmm. yeah definitely and just realizing in either option there's the potential to advance our knowledge or the health Mm -hmm. of people now, in medical field, it's a little more direct, a little more obvious seeing, you know, for example, like with a trauma surgeon, you know, you're saving like, that individual's life, like when they're, when they arrive, mm-hmm. doing you know, whatever has to be done to save them. And that's an immediate direct outcome that you can see. But with research, 
And obviously it's been brought a lot more to light with the pandemic and mm-hmm. kind of seeing like the whole process of like the vaccine vaccine creation and that being a little more transparent now and just seeing what all the scientists are going through and what they do yeah. in the event of a pandemic. I mean, I can even remember the like in written late December 2019. They announced the discovery of this new virus within, I think it was weeks, if that even, the entire genome had been sequenced and scientists knew that. And they were able to start creating tests for it and even begin the vaccination or vaccine creation process at that point. Yeah. And at least in my interest in research and science, at least right now, primarily is also in uh, human health and you know, advancements of different either treatments or ways either for like genetic diseases or infectious diseases. Mm-hmm. And that's come from actually a lot of my experiences in graduate school where like I'd kind of explained before the lab I was in was a molecular genetics yeah. lab. And you know, we focused on a couple of proteins that had to I had a role in development. Okay. They allowed certain cells to develop at a certain pace, so as as they were supposed to. And we'd mutate a certain gene, we would see defects, and and all of this could be translated over into humans, where the gene in the Cielgens that we were working with has what they call an ortholog, or just essentially it's the same gene but in humans rather than in the worm, and mutations in this gene cause different defects in like blood cell development. So there are these parallels between them and we were trying to figure out how it functioned in this more basic system to help understand how it can function in a more advanced system such as people. Mm. Okay. So that was kind of more like my genetics side, that interest. And then I also was a teaching assistant for a medical microbiology course. Right. Which I actually took an undergrad and we learned about a bunch of different infectious diseases and the bacterium and viruses that caused them. Mm-hmm. And as a teaching assistant, I did a lot of the preparation work for that class. So I'd be streaking different bacterial cultures, setting up different tests to help identify these bacteria, going through different case studies. Mm-hmm. And that really sparked my interest in infectious disease. And I actually worked with that class all throughout graduate school. Okay. And I don't know, I was trying to think of ways you know, either to like, combine those or to find you know, a career that would at least be able to take one of those passions yeah. at the time. And like you said, with my current job now, it works with tuberculosis and uh, advancing the uh, drug treatments that they have for it. I kind of took the uh, microbiology side, my interest, and jumped on that. Um, while tuberculosis might not actually be a big problem in the United States, there are still, I think it's almost 10 million cases per year. Wow. And between one and a half and two million people actually die of tuberculosis every year. Okay. But it's just extremely non-existent in the United States. It happens much more on the other side of the world. Southeast Asia is commonplace. Let me see it. Or... Uh, so it's just something I feel like a lot of people, at least here in the U.S., forget about. And yeah. Think, oh, that's old. Like, that's 1800s. You know, you see it in the old Victorian movies or something. Right. But, uh, so might might be a dumb question, and I'll go on record to say I'm, I'm not a science person, never have been. Bio was the bane of my existence in, in high school and college. Um, but hopefully someone listening is, is, is like me and may not know tuberculosis obviously heard of it a lot but like you said it is kind of it's something that happened like was more prevalent maybe a long time ago so can you kind of explain like the the summarization of, of what it is or what it does or how it impacts someone yes um, the causative agent or the bacteria that causes tuberculosis is mycobacterium tuberculosis that's the okay. whole scientific name and as the name implies, it's a bacteria. And what happens is when you inhale it, the bacteria travel typically to the 
the far ends of your lungs into the little alveoli, which are the little air sacs that actually yeah. allow for the exchange of oxygen between your lungs and blood. They'll go really far down mm -hmm. into there. And it actually only takes I think, five to 10 bacteria to cause an infection. Mm. In terms of most infectious agents, that's an incredibly small number. Okay. Most of the times it can be, it's hundreds or thousands. Okay. But this bacteria is incredibly persistent. But what happens is once it's in your lungs, the immune system will attack it. It will actually try to eliminate the bacteria. But when some of the cells actually eat the bacteria, it's able to survive within them. And then it actually grows. It kind of builds itself a little shell essentially inside. Okay. It grows and multiplies within that cell. And then it can rupture, which creates a huge spread of bacteria within your lungs now. Mm. And then that forms kind of a larger structure that might get encased. So then it's just a mass of bacteria in your lungs. Gotcha. In what they call a tubercle, which is kind of where the name tuberculosis comes from. Mm -hmm. And then from there, actually, it can go one of two ways. Those tubercles can just sit in your lungs and it won't really affect you. You won't really notice. And this actually happens, I think it's in about 90% of people who get infected. Mm -hmm. It sits there, and, but it's latent. Okay. So it's not causing any symptoms. Yeah. But the bacteria is inside you. However, some people, um, whether it be another infection or they become immunocompromised by something, or even just stress or a change in hormones mm -hmm. cause these bacteria to the immune system suddenly interacts with them differently and causes them essentially to be released. Mm. And then at that point, there are thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of bacteria in your lungs. Yeah. They've been released from those tubercles and then you cough them out because now it's just kind of a fluid in your lungs. Right. Your body will cough that out. And with that, comes hundreds of thousands of bacteria and at that point it can kind of continue to build up in your lungs and yeah the bacterium itself is also extremely drug resistant so most treatments take six i think it's like four to six months now mm -hmm. some of them take nine months wow. and that's with a number of drugs so it's yeah. it can be pretty nasty it sounds like it. Yeah, man, that's, it's crazy to think about that. And, you know, like you said, it doesn't seem to be too prevalent in the U.S., you know, currently, but um, definitely just to, to hear the statistic you mentioned about like how many people just globally are impacted by it. It's like, wow, that that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's kind of brought me just like a new realization. I was like, oh yeah, like, I had, Remember, we learned about tuberculosis in our medical microbiology class, but it wasn't mm -hmm. something we covered in ten intensely because you know, it's not much of a problem here anymore. That's not something you would come, right. come across somebody in the United States with. But right. it brought me a, kind of a new appreciation of all diseases around the world, not just those Definitely. that are more likely to impact us. Right. Yeah. Totally. I, I like that kind of like more global approach. And this, I feel like this might be an interesting question and you might have zero input on it or kind of like background or anything on it, or maybe you, you do have some kind of insight to share. And I'm just kind of randomly curious. So, you know, of course, like if you think of, of cancer, um, it's something that probably everyone, you know, listening has knows someone who has been impacted by cancer at some point. And I think like we always hear like, you know, we need a cure for cancer. Like, why isn't there a cure for cancer? And, you know, we're in 2022 where I'm assuming like, you know, technology and science and research and, you know, everything is at its max. But like, I guess like the question is like, why are there things like cancer? There's probably several other things that I just don't know of that like we can't find a cure for. We can't find like a, oh, I mean, I guess there's treatment, but like, you know, a treatment that maybe will cure it for for good i mean like is it just that it's so hard to study these kind of diseases or um things or like i, I guess do you have any like insight on that 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, a part of it is just the nature of, I guess, what you're studying. I can't speak too much directly, sure. like cancer-wise. I, I don't have too much research experience with it. Right. I mean, with the knowledge that I have in general science, I do know that um, with cancer, it's usually a combination of a lot of factors. Mm-hmm. It can definitely have a genetic component, but it can have environmental components. Um, and every person, you know, I mean, they don't know why, no, probably will never know why, but everybody's body kind of, although they, they do obviously very similar things, we all breathe, eat, talk, right. that kind of thing, but deep down at the molecular side of things with the genes and proteins, you know, people's bodies will respond to the same stress or antigen or bacteria infection, whatever, in different ways. Right. Like with cancer, like it can be caused by so many different things, whether it be a combination of somebody smoked for a couple of years and now they live somewhere with a high UV exposure. And you know, like if they have or have not a genetic history of cancer or somebody who's never had any of that, right, but can still develop cancer. There's just so many components, so many pieces to the puzzle yeah. that unfortunately it's there's just too much to be able to solve with okay yeah so it sounds like there's just so much variability and like it depends like person to person that like there's not really like i mean even if you study you know a group of 100 people and find something that you know maybe cures those 100 people like that there's not even like the slightest guarantee that it's going to have the same impact on another 100 people right like it's just yeah yeah. okay actually that kind of reminds me of something that I know very little about, so nobody quote me on this. But okay. There's a field of science, it's called host-directed therapy. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, I think the basics of that is to have the body, like your own body respond to whatever may be afflicting you, whether it be an infectious disease or cancer or something, and essentially being able to tweak that individual's immune system to respond in a certain way to whatever, I guess, problem or issue that there is. Mm-hmm. And in that case, because it's that person's own body that they're trying to, not necessarily alter, but to get a response from, mm-hmm. I think the idea is that in theory, the treatment will at least be improved because it's the that person's own body is creating a response and therefore Mm. it should work okay more so for whatever affliction they have right interesting that's something i don't know really anything about i've read about it a few times right articles and that but okay very interesting and you know as you you know move forward in your career and everything like do you think research infectious disease research that's kind of like the path that you want to stay on or do you think like maybe you want to research other uh, you know other fields or other topics in the field or do you have no idea <laughs> uh it feels so open just because of how much there is yeah i think let's see i know i've talked before about kind of like my idea of, like, of genetics mm-hmm. there's still definitely a part of me that wants to kind of go back towards that side of research and with more different genetic diseases such or at least uh, genetic causes of some diseases such as like Alzheimer's or Parkinson's yeah I think would be really interesting at least to me and that, and I, uh, a little bit of family history at least with Parkinson's my great-grandmother on my mom's side she had Parkinson's at least as long as I knew her mm. And I just kind of seeing the way she was and hearing stories like from my mom and her mom just yeah. about what my great grandma was like before that, before she was diagnosed, before she had symptoms. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, wish I had been able to meet her at that time, but you know, it's kind of given me a bit of a drive to look more towards um, diseases such as that, which I still carry with me and you know, I think would be really interesting and yeah beneficial to look into but on the flip side being in infectious disease also increased my interest in that just realizing how many 
infectious diseases that are out there. Of course, with the pandemic, that's brought up the idea of, you know, kind of what's next and the yeah. whole idea of the zoonotic diseases, which you know, spill over from animals into humans. I've read a couple of books about that and just you know, looking, looking more like the epidemiology side of things is yeah. really, at least for me, really, really cool too. So uh, it, it feels like it's an open, pretty open path. I would like to be able to still go in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. And kind of with that, actually, while I've been at my job currently, I've had a number of people ask me if I'm going to pursue a PhD. Yeah. And I think that's something that at some point I would like to do. Okay. But I feel like until I can jump a little more into a certain field. Yeah. I'd like to wait with PhD. It's pretty specialized in a certain field. So I'd like it to be in something I know I want to stay in for a while. That makes sense. It's like more than just like the three, maybe four years that I'll spend out here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, No, I I think that's, (laughs) yeah, I think, you know, you're in a good place where you have found a lot of passion and interest in, you know, what you're doing with infectious disease and, you know, you've always kind of had that, that interest in genetics. So, you know, like you can go that way, you know, you've, you can stick with kind of where you're at and just research is so broad that really, you know, you could go so many different directions with it. And I mean, like we're sitting here right now, but maybe like six, I mean, God forbid, but maybe like six months from now, there's like something else, like just like blows up or comes out of nowhere. And then, you know, you're like, wow, this is super fascinating or something, or maybe, there's just more of a need to, you know, identify or, or do research on this new phenomenon. And you're like, well, why, why not me? Why don't I, you know, or my team or whatever. So I think, you know, with most things in the world, like technology and everything like um, science is, is always evolving and, you know, it's always building off of, Absolutely. you know, principles that are already established, but it's always changing and things change day to day. And I mean, as everyone listening can probably attest with the pandemic, things have changed daily, weekly, monthly, you know, it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which just, unfortunately can be so frustrating. Yeah. Both, and I've seen it like both from the public side and from the research side, you know, hearing just like the different recommendations from like the CDC or the WHO, and then you know, being a researcher, even, <clears throat> excuse me, within my field, know we have certain projects or experiments they go one way and then they go another way and then we switch this or that and science can be very frustrating yeah i'll be the first to admit that but uh, there's also those days when you you finish up some big experiment or analysis you can get your final results and you see you know like between these two treatments now this one is greatly improved or you have this outcome you find something new undiscovered it's uh, it's inhalation it's a great yeah it's an incredible feeling i love it that's awesome it so, makes it worth it yeah mm-hmm. just have to remember some of those yeah. down days that there's there's some up days coming up definitely so Mark, you know, we've talked a lot about your kind of educational journey and, you know, the, the the decision process of going from med school to into research and, you know, certainly your career now. And with it all, you know, you're, you're busy, um, you're doing very serious work. So, you know, outside of work, when it comes to, you know, maybe trying to decompress or just, you know, enjoy your time outside of, of doing research and stuff, uh, what other kind of passions are you, are you up to these days? Let's see. Uh, biggest one, and one that I've kept up since college, but have actually gotten much more into is running. Okay. I run probably three or four mornings out of the week before work. I, I'm an early riser, so I'll get up and I'll just get out there and get going. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been, uh, it's such a great way, at least for me to, I guess, kind of just let my mind go I don't really have to focus on my thoughts on anything too much in particular it's just it's kind of just like taking one step after another getting a breathing rhythm mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of watching for you know, cars it's <laughs> one of the things with a lot more cars out here than Michigan so yeah it can be a little a little dicey at times but I don't have to 
think about science or <laughs> sometimes actually I do though it kind of lets my mind wander really in any direction yeah and when I set off for a run I don't have you know like a checklist or a, the idea is like oh I want to think about this or think about that mm-hmm. I'll do my best to just kind of let my mind wander which mm-hmm. is I feel like especially with work I don't have that opportunity right because I have to stay focused on you know, whatever procedure or experiment that I'm doing or the data I'm analyzing. Mm-hmm. So it really helps get me in like an open, free mind. And because I do it before work, it kind of lets me go into it with just a really great, uplifted feeling. Yeah, um, kind of just feeling like fresh. Running, and you know, my mind's just free and open. And I feel like it really helps with that. And I love that. Yeah, something that's also really encouraged me to step up my game. It's called step up my game, but you know, just like to increase um, my, oh, I guess not intensity, but just like my dedication to running. Okay. Is actually the passings of one of my best friends. Who I think you actually knew Alec. Yeah. Martha, mm-hmm. Who yeah, it's been, I think. 10 months yeah I was gonna say I think it's coming up on a year yeah he was a dedicated runner through and through I mean he was on central's running team yeah on their track team and I actually lived with him for two years and he was one of my best friends and yeah now just seeing his passion and love for running among other things has really given me something to keep striving for and keep going through and no matter how Usually, no matter how I feel on those mornings waking up, if it's pitch black and I'm tired, I'm still like, I'm going to get up, I'm going to go for this run, and I'm yeah. going to feel great. I love that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it, it's, a, it's a sad thing to think about. And, you know, um, great, great kid, great, great guy, super funny, but super dedicated to running. Um, and like you said, on, on the uh, running team here at CMU so I think it's awesome that you're able to kind of you know just celebrate and remember you know yeah I mean every time yeah. I put on my running shoes you know it helps me think of Alec and yeah you know and it you know just it always gives me just like a positive view on him and mm-hmm. you know, it just kind of makes me you know, know that he's still there in some sense and that right you know always always be there in memory yeah definitely definitely and i mean you know i think running is it's a great thing to do kind of like you said to you know i i've talked to people that run and like it's like you said kind of like you let your mind wander and go in different directions and then i've talked to some people that are like i kind of just like meditate like like running is almost like meditative for me and it's just like i'm like my mind is just like focused on one thing like my breath or something and it's kind of like relaxing and calming so i think running can be a great thing i've never i've never been into running but i i'm actually i told myself this summer i'm gonna try to run and see see if i uh, can get into it but no i mean it's a great it's a great thing for your health and um you know i think mentally too it can be it can be great and uh you know i love that personally for you you know you have that you know kind of personal um you know drive if you will you know to or like um motivation to do it you know to to honor um a really close friend so i appreciate you sharing that yeah and then flip side of things something i actually just started Mm -hmm. that i'm actually deeply enjoying is bouldering okay it's an indoor rock climbing at least i do it indoor Mm -hmm. but without the belay and system and it's climbing walls they're maybe like 14 15 feet high but just doing it without any attachment. And you know, at least the gym that I've gone to a few times now, there's just, uh, they probably have 60, 70 routes within there. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of going in like you just have yourself, your body, and you, know, you see the route that the different solid rocks that you're supposed to climb. And, right. you know, I kind of go through it almost like a more like an analytical way at first, like, you know, kind of figure out where I'm going to go, different hand placements, what I'll do. Mm-hmm. After I get to one point and then the next point, and then just kind of, you know, the next step is to go and do it. And yeah, uh, it's kind of 
it is it is a lot of fun going through kind of following through those steps that i've come up with and, right you now then reaching the top and i mean like, yeah i was able to climb that or you know if i don't if i fall or i'm not able to make the next climb and kind of shake it off reanalyze mm-hmm. and figure out and what's the next step and it's a very different exercise yeah. than running which right so through like your time bouldering or just like in general when when you think about doing it is there is there has there ever been any sort of like mental barrier for you like because like you said you're you're not there's no bole you're not like attached to anything like is that something that you had to like overcome or that you still am like oh my gosh like I could fall right now or like I mean how how is how have you felt like with that let's see I've never I guess when I was younger, I wasn't I wasn't terrified of heights, but I wasn't a fan of them. Okay. And then I've gone rock climbing a few times, but more in the traditional indoor sense with you know, probably like 30 foot wall with the rope and belay system. Mm-hmm. And during those times, never had too much problem, obviously, because like, oh, if I fall, I've got this rope. Right. But it was different. I had actually talked to one of my really good friends from high school about bouldering because he's done that for quite a while now and he's actually done outdoor bouldering oh. as well he's so cool and just kind of got his input on it and that was a little more like you know just kind of go into it and trust the system mm-hmm. that they have set up because the, at least at my gym they're set up they probably have at least foot thick pads maybe foot and a half thick pads below they're pretty soft and one of the first things they actually talked about there was how to fall Okay. you are falling and just you know the idea of like you know tucking your chin in so you protect your head and neck and trying to just disperse your energy as you fall don't like fall on one or two points kind of spread right. out and actually fun fact in college i took a hop keto course which is a korean self-defense course and i actually okay. followed through that probably about two years actually able to do it in graduate school as well and during that there was quite a bit of work that had to do with either falling mm-hmm. rolling or different throws you know, yeah like you're actually interacting with somebody in right self-defense. so i was like what would you do hmm. essentially the idea is the entire idea of hop keto is to get yourself away from that situation and then to defend yourself if you need to and we learned you know, how to fall during that and how to disperse the energy that might yeah. come at our bodies. So I'd had that going into it. And then while I was working on some of the lower points on the walls, the person I was working with was like, you know, at this point, like just jump off and fall. So, you know, I kind of went through the early steps of doing it from a low height to just. Yeah kind of like do it like dip your feet in the water dip your toes in the water know that it's okay like if i fall i won't get hurt because i've done it before yeah which is paid off because actually the last time i fell (laughs) a lot closer to the top but i was able to kind of like tuck and roll and spread it out and well that's good popped up after i'm like all right i'm good i can fall from almost anywhere now and i'll be fine there you go that mindset all right i feel better about this you know, it, it's it's weird because as I'm sitting here and hearing you talk about that, I just like think I can't, I can't help but think like it sounds like such a good analogy for life. You know, like in life we don't have like a restraint or something holding us back, and we're probably gonna yeah. fall. And sometimes we fall when we're right at the top. Sometimes mm-hmm. we fall when we're down low. But it's kind of like working your way, like kind of like you said you know like preparing yourself like you know knowing the the right way quote unquote to fall or you know I think it's one of those things like you know in life we get knocked down we got to get back up and um I don't know like when you're saying that I was like that's such a good life analogy (laughs) yeah you're right it I I agree 100% with you on that not because yeah like with falling either in rocks or in real life Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you know you're going to, other times you don't. But exactly. Yeah, I agree absolutely that when you do fall, I mean, yeah, it's possible that you might get hurt. 
in yeah. a physical sense, mental sense, financial, whatever be the reason, but just know that yeah, you have to next step is to get up. And mm-hmm. typically like you know, bouldering, you're probably the only one or you're maybe with a small group, you have one or two people to help pick you up, but to kind of break that out into the bigger world, like you have friends and family that mm-hmm. will be there to help pick you up. Like it doesn't have to be on your own. Exactly. And, and you know, there's nothing wrong with having other people help you. That's what they're there for. I mean, exactly. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, I think that I I've, I've rock climbed, I've never um, done bouldering, but like, I can imagine that, you know, especially with bouldering, like if you fall, then you kind of learn from your fall. Like you learn, okay, so I probably shouldn't go that way. Or like, and I think again, translates to life. Like even when we fall, you know, we get back up and we, we learn from, well, we hopefully learn from it. And, you know, maybe next time we can mitigate it a little bit or take a different approach to it. So, you know, I definitely, I, I like that. And I like how you said, you know, with this analogy, like we have people in our lives and that's like what friends and family are for. And I think that like, you know, sometimes we think, you know, we, we don't want to burden our, our friends or family about like when we fall down, but that's what they're for. And, you know, I'll be the first to attest that, um, you know, through the time that I've known Mark, he's been a terrific friend and someone that I know, like if I fall down, you know, with something, he, he'll, he's someone I can count on. And, you know, I think it's, it's important to, to understand that that's like the purpose of making connections with people. Um, they're not just there for like our good moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And of course, no, not all of your friends are there for every moment, but sure. you certainly have those people who are there, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, you know, kind of in that vein a little bit, um, through the time that I've known you, you've been, I would say, like 98% of the time that I've known you, you've been really positive. You've been a pretty like happy, upbeat kind of guy. You're always, you're always someone that was like willing to help others out, you know, academically, you know, you were, I feel like you're one of the few people in in undergrad who had a car. So you're like, I'll drive, you know, Um, you know, like, is that just you to a core or like, I mean, did the positivity, like personality come from a specific moment like defining moment in your life or is that just your demeanor uh, i mean it certainly like, to me has felt like my natural self it's, okay you know yeah. i don't you know it's not like i wake up every day and it's like all right today i'm gonna be positive it just i guess it kind of just is a natural way for the most part but i mean i certainly go through days where now, I'm not about even getting up out of bed. Sure. That can be, you know, just life in general can be really difficult. And, mm-hmm. and there are days that absolutely suck. Um, you know, usually being in like a positive mindset on those days, it is you know, kind of difficult to even just understand what I'm going yeah. through. But at those times, you know, I know that like I have, you know, friends or family again kind of like you're talking about that I can reach out to, mm-hmm. to even just say hey you know, I'm having this bad day you know something's going on and I'll admit this and it's actually been very recent but I've actually started going to therapy and I think that that is incredibly useful not just for you know like oh I've been feeling down about this or that but just like kind of helping you navigate through a lot of the things that come up in life yeah and I'm just giving you know, like an outside perspective, you know, somebody who's not biased in any way, doesn't you know, closely know you, but just has a different you know, mindset and education mm-hmm. on certain ways to help with, you know, whatever might be on your mind at the time, whether you are having a really down day, if you're feeling you know, incredibly anxious about something mm-hmm. or if you're you know, scared that something's going to happen or you have, you know, like some kind of habit that you want to break. Yeah. Like therapists can be so helpful for so many things. I can't obviously say too much. I haven't been going that long, but you know, for different friends that I've talked to and just in general from what I hear that you know, a therapist can honestly be one of the best things yeah. that you can do for yourself. Yeah. And unfortunately, I feel like there is quite sometimes a negative stigma still 
regarding yeah. PRP, mm -hmm. particularly you know, kind of from you know, decades before, in which, oh, you know, you need therapy, you know, like, throw you in the loony bin. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been looked on positively, but yeah, I say definitely think that they should be. And you know, yeah, no therapists for anyone. I think they're. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate you, you know, sharing and uh, being vulnerable and, you know, sharing your experiences and everything. And I think that, you know, therapy is incredible. You know, it's something that I think a lot of people think you have to be going through the worst time of your life to, to exactly, go to therapy, yeah. but like, there's so much more to it. And I mean, you could be super happy and living the best life ever, and you could have you know, the perfect family and, you know, the perfect job and making millions of dollars and be super happy, but you could still benefit from going to therapy and talking about things. Cause I think that in addition to helping, you know, when you are struggling or going through things, it can also be super proactive to, you know, come up with proactive strategies or to, to stay, you know, feeling the, the good if you're feeling good. So, I mean, I definitely am a big advocate for it too. And, um, you know, someone that spent four years uh, studying psychology, like, you know, super passionate about it. And um, like you said, it's kind of unfortunate. There is that kind of negative stigma towards it. And I think that probably like the generation under us, um, you know, are kind of, I think our generation, maybe a little more so our, our we kind of started talking about things like therapy and mental health. And then mm -hmm. the generation, uh, the younger generation has been more like a little more vocal. And I think that that's kind of the yeah, trend, absolutely. like, you know, the, the younger, more, yeah, it's coming more and more normalized. You know, and yes. I think it's so important, especially like we kind of talked about earlier, when you think back to the last couple of years, I mean, that's, that's impacted everyone and some mm -hmm differently than others but at the end of the day i mean i would definitely say it's it's probably a point of trauma for most people um so like i think that now more than ever you know is the time to to talk to talk to someone and of course you know talk to your friends and family but and that's great and i i, I encourage you to do that but that they're not you know a, a trained professional right they're not a licensed practitioner so um don't don't feel like speaking to someone that is, you know, licensed psychologist, um, psychiatrist, therapist, counselor, that it it makes you, you know, weak or it means there's something wrong with you or you're crazy. You know, it's it's super super important, and I mean, it it should be a normal thing that, you know, yeah, for the most part, it will will only benefit you. Yeah, it's not necessarily true for everyone. There, you know, sometimes it doesn't work out, mm -hmm. but overall it should benefit you exactly yeah and i mean again you know coming from someone that has, has studied you know the field in, intently like um if you're if you're listening and you've tried it and it didn't work like that's not a reflection of you or anything that's not anything wrong with you i mean yeah. i think it's like you know it, it's okay to to seek out different counselors or different therapists um it's not that they're a bad therapist or it's not that there's something wrong with you. It's just, you need to find the right fit and um, it's okay to kind of just like put yourself out there and try different um, places or different therapists and stuff. But yeah, you know, like you said, it, it's just, it's something that really, I think you can only benefit from. And if you really, you know, don't think you can at least give it a try. Cause you never know. And if it doesn't work for you, then that's okay too. You know, at least you can say that you've tried. Yeah. It actually makes me think about something else. I said a while back, just relating mm -hmm. to like how everybody's kind of different on like a really microscopic level, like on the genetics or molecular side, but you know, psychology wise, everybody's a little bit different too. What works for one person doesn't work for another. And yeah. something could work for 99% of people, but you no, know, it might not work for somebody else. And in that case, we hope that um, that may take initiative to look somewhere else or right. something else. Yeah, it's it's funny because like when you said that like earlier in the conversation when you're talking about everyone being different um, and like people responding different to different treatments and stuff, one of the first things that popped in my mind was like mental health. Um, you know, there's different medications for things like anxiety, depression, um, and some people they swear by a certain you know prescription, and some are like, oh my gosh, I go on, I take that, and I 
feel absolutely terrible. So again, it's just we're the human experience is so similar, but it's yeah, so different. It right. We're so yeah. different at the same time. And it, yeah, I think it's just understand that we're different and know that you're different. And I think that we all kind of struggle with comparing ourselves to others at times in our lives. And while that's natural and stuff, like we, we really are so different on you know, genetic level, uh, biological level, physical level, mental, emotional, spiritual level, like we're all different. So um, just, you know, what, what works for some might not work for you, but that's okay. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong, you know, with either party. Exactly. Yeah. We're all different, but we're all in it together. We're exactly. Crazy thing called life. Exactly. At the end of the day, we're all just trying to figure out how life works, right? Like, I mean, I mean, even, you know, us in our, uh, you know, mid twenties and stuff like we, yeah, we've graduated, you know, masters, awesome, you know, whatever, but we're still trying to just figure out this thing that we call life and this, this human experience. And it's, uh, you know, to anyone listening, who's, who's younger than us or our, our age, you know, if, if you don't know what you're doing, you're not alone. <laughs> okay, that is the norm. Even if people don't say that, yeah, most most people have no idea what they're doing, and you know, people change at any point in their life. Still, mm-hmm. you know, it just takes different people, um, different amount of time to figure out you know, either what they want to do, where they want to live. You know, exactly. Like also, every life decision. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's okay to change, and I mean, even if you're like you know, in your fifties and you're like, I, I actually don't like my job. I want to try something else or I want to move to a different, you know, state, whatever. Um, you're never, you're never too old or I guess too young to, you know, change your mind about something or like, I think a lot of young professionals, I mean, like us, we might think like, oh, we've, I've just spent like the last three years doing this job or with this company or in this industry, like it's too late for me to you know, switch and do something I actually like. And it's not, I mean, it might seem like it, but at the end of the day, like it, it's, it's kind of like one of those things where it's so much more common than we think it is in our mind. Like, because mm-hmm. we look and see everyone else like, oh, they figured that out, you know, mm-hmm. this early point in their life at that point. Here I am. I feel like I haven't, but now I'm stuck in this. It just, just means you have to take a different path. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong about that. And like, if you think about it, like take another path, like you're going to see completely different things. You're going to have completely different experiences taking that path. Like think about literally walking, you know, on a different path. Like, yeah, it might be different. It might be unknown. You might not necessarily know where it's going to take you, but there's, if you look for it, there's going to be a lot of beauty along the way as well. Oh yeah. Awesome. So Mark, um, you know, if, if anyone listening to our conversation today really enjoyed it or they want to get in touch with you or reach out to you or connect with you or ask you questions or anything, is there any any way that um, you want to like put out there that people can connect with you or anything? Like, do you have any sort of social media you want to put out there or anything? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anyone at all is more than more than willing to talk to anyone about anything that they'd be interested in. And uh, I guess I'll just go with my Instagram account for an easy way of access. And okay. my username is just Mark Hansen Jr. It's all one word, okay. M-A-R-K-H-A-N-S-E-N-J-R. Perfect. All right. I will put your Instagram in the description of the episode too. So if you didn't catch it, it'll be down there. So, uh, you know, go ahead and click click down there but um yeah i mean mark's a great guy so even if you just want to talk about random stuff um he's a great person to reach out to or if like we talked about something that really interests you whether it's you know maybe you're thinking about med school or research or maybe you're super passionate about infectious disease or you're in college and you're trying to figure out how you can get in research labs or something um you know mark's a great resource and someone who's very knowledgeable you know and very passionate about what he does um and or you know even if it's not professional stuff but i mean we didn't talk about it too much but he's very much like athletic and into sports and and music so there's a lot um i, I definitely encourage you to reach out to mark just, you know, i'm looking for somebody new to talk to i'm open exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. you just want to make a new, know new that you heard it through that podcast just so <laughs> yes. or it's not just a random person but yes. yeah i'd be more than happy to talk awesome i love it 
Um, so Mark, is there any last kind of like thoughts, message, words, anything that you want to leave the people listening with? Oh gosh, let's see. I guess simple thing would just be do what makes you happy. Um, pursue pursue your passions. You know, but I, I love this podcast in that sense. And it's all about passions, and and that's what gives so much meaning to life. So, yeah. pursue your passions. I love it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And yeah, pursue your passion. You know, if you listen to the podcast, you know that that's what we're all about here. And, you know, Mark certainly has followed his passions and I would say that he's doing pretty well and, you know, things are going well for him. So definitely from both of us, you know, pursue your passion, whatever that may be, you know, don't, don't worry about comparing yourself to others or, you know, if, if maybe people won't understand your passion or think it's, you know, the, the smart or safe choice, you know, if it's a career or something, just do what you're passionate about, you know, I guess be smart with it, um, be responsible with it, but do what you're passionate about. And um, as I always say, you know, if, if you've discovered that passion and you want to talk about your passions, let me know. You can be the next guest on the podcast, but Mark, I appreciate you, um, you know, as a friend first and foremost, but I also appreciate you taking the time to talk today, share a bit of your story, your background, your passions. And, uh, you know, I have no doubt that you're going to continue to do a lot of cool things professionally and personally. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be able to call you a friend and, and watch you on that journey. Oh, thank you. That means, it means a lot, Zach. It's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to know you for is it almost eight years at this point or something like that. Yeah, because we met fall, 20, fall 2014. <laughs> uh, it's been... Awesome. <laughs> oh gosh yeah here we go you know it, you've been such a great friend to me and you know, I've loved all the time that we've spent together especially during undergrad just yeah. hanging out you know, jamming you know, going to the student activity center to play pickup or something like that I am sports oh yeah good times man oh, great stuff. And, uh, it's been awesome to be on your podcast so this is something I never thought I'd be able to do so <laughs> first time for me and I've loved it. Awesome, man. Well, I've loved having you on and I'm sure everyone listening is going to love, you know, listening to this episode. So thank you again for coming on and sharing everything. And, um, thank you. you We'll, we'll have to do it again someday, man. When you have that next life update, we'll have to run it back. (laughs) But, um, awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much again. Um, it's, it's been great as always. And until next time, I'll, I'll catch you later. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Zach. Yep. Thanks. Thanks.